Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited about this. Welcome to the inaugural first episode ever of No Vacancy, the podcast. As the name suggests, this show is going to be all about how to operate your Airbnb and the best tips and tricks so that your listing can have no vacancies. Uh, We're going to talk all things about getting more bookings at higher rates. Yes, you heard me right. I do not believe that the only way to get more bookings is by lowering your prices. I think you can have both high rates and high occupancy. So that's why we're here. Not only is this podcast going to be educational, uh, I really do want it to be entertaining too. So every week we're going to have four segments of the show. Uh, We're going to open up with just a main topic. This is going to be super valuable and informative and help you make tangible improvements to your listing. Uh, Also every week I'm going to share just a quick Airbnb tip. This is going to be either something that you can change about your actual listing or something you can change to your Airbnb profile that day. These are super quick wins, action item takeaways that you can do that day. Uh, We're also going to address a question of the week every single episode. These are questions that I get from my DMs, from my Q&A Thursday Instagram stories, um, or that other hosts have asked me during one-on-one consultations. So I'll take one question that I've gotten from that week, one that I felt like I could dive into or expand a little bit deeper, and we're going to address it here. And finally, the last segment of every episode that I am so excited for, um, if any of you out there are fellow fans of the Am I the Asshole Reddit thread, you will love this. We are going to have an Am I the Airbnb hole little segment coming at you every week. So, you know, no surprise, I am a member of probably 20 different Airbnb related Facebook groups. And I just see so many posts on there of hosts asking for advice about how to handle guests or how to handle their cleaners or how to handle Airbnb customer service. And I as you can imagine, have a lot of opinions as I read these posts of hosts looking for advice. And so I figured, hey, every week I'm going to pick one of these posts and uh, we're going to break it down and we're going to see, is the host the Airbnb hole? Is the guest the Airbnb hole? We're just going to really, you know, break break it down and um, either exonerate all parties or convict them. And, um, we're going to see who's, who's the asshole, who's the Airbnb hole. So, uh, that's going to be a fun one. Okay. You guys, 
So for today's big idea of episode one, first episode ever of No Vacancy, the podcast, the main topic I wanted to discuss today is how to actually set yourself up to run at full capacity. Again, like the whole name of this podcast suggests, No Vacancy, the podcast, the point of this show is that every single week, I want to bring you advice, tips, and education on how to attract more guests so that you can be at full capacity and how to get those guests paying a competitive higher rate and not having to compete on price. However, none of that is going to happen if your place is not properly set up to run at full capacity. What do I mean by this? Let's say that you are renting out a cabin that is three hours away from where you live and you don't have a cleaning team. Let's say that you are the cleaner. Even if you do have enough guests who want to book your place 365 nights a year, you do have the potential there to be at full capacity. Your place is attractive enough. People are interested. People are wishlisting your your Airbnb profile and they want to actually book. If you don't have a cleaning team and you live three hours away, you cannot physically accommodate those guests. You might only be able to get to this cabin that's three hours away once a week, meaning that You're going to have vacant days in between if you book a Friday and Saturday with a checkout Sunday and you are not able to get up to your cabin to clean it until Thursday, you've got Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday unoccupied, even if you do have guests who want to book. So again, for today's episode, even though the whole rest of this podcast ongoing is going to be about how to actually attract those guests to get to full capacity and how to get them paying higher rates... I think all of that means nothing if we don't start at square one and talk about how to actually set this whole thing up so that when those guests are there and they're ready to hand over their money and give you their credit card info or give Airbnb their credit card info, um, when those guests are ready to pay and ready to book and ready to show up, how can you actually accommodate them? So I have six tips for you. So if you want to take notes, if you are a person who takes notes while listening, jot down six points. We're going to run through them. Um, If you don't want to write them down, do not worry. In the show notes below, it's going to link over to my website where I will have show notes on this episode breaking down what we're talking about here. So if you don't want to take your own notes, don't worry, I've got you covered. Um, So let's talk about these six points on how to actually set yourself up to run at full capacity. All right. So point one is making sure that you have enough time between your checkout and check-in. Seems obvious enough, but when you are just starting out, this can actually be pretty tricky to figure out. Uh, To be completely honest, I actually do recommend that hosts who are just starting, there is a setting with Airbnb where you can put an automatic buffer 24 hours before and after each booking. And when you are just getting started, I actually do like this setting because having that pressure of somebody checking out at 11 a.m. and checking in at 3 p.m. can be super stressful. So giving yourself that 24 hours between each booking is going to help you out a ton and just training either yourself or your cleaning team and just sort of figuring out how quickly it actually takes you to get in after the last guest and completely stage it back to perfect for the next guest. 
Hopefully, the goal here is that once you figure out how long it's going to take you between those checkouts and check-ins, you can go in and remove that 24-hour buffer, which is going to allow you to accommodate back-to-back same-day check-ins. That is obviously going to help get you closer to full capacity because you're not blocking off a day before and after each reservation. So when it comes to figuring out how much time you need between checkout and check-in, this may be something that you should work with your cleaner on and ask them how long they need. Give yourself some extra time on top of that as well. If the cleaning team tells you that it's going to take them three hours, make that space between your checkout and check-in four or five hours because you never know if the last guest is going to be lagging and checking out late or if the guests are going to leave it worse than anticipated or if the next guest is asking for an early check-in and you want to accommodate that. So just give yourself a little bit of extra time. So again, I do recommend starting off with that 24-hour buffer just so you can really figure out what you're working with. The goal is once you've got that down, remove it and start accepting those same day back-to-back bookings and make sure that that checkout time and check-in time are set to where you know you have enough time to turn over the property. Point number two, and this is going to help you with the last one we just talked about, simplify and declutter the space. One of my best tips here, this is so simple, but Have it so that all of the dishware in your kitchen, for example, all of it can fit in one load in the dishwasher. Don't leave the option where guests are able to just keep pulling and pulling and pulling dishes and they do load the dishwasher, which might be part of your checkout instructions, but then they're leaving and all the other dishes don't fit in there, so they just leave them stacked in the sink. That's just one example out of a hundred, but that is clearly a surefire way to make it where that same day back-to-back checkout and check-in is going to be really tough when you've got two other dishwasher loads that you have to wash by hand because your dishwasher is already loaded and running with just one load. So that's just one example, but simplify and declutter. Pull out whatever isn't going to fit in the dishwasher. People are on vacation. It's short-term rentals. They don't need that much dishware. So simplify. Go in and just make sure that the amount of dishes you have is going to adequately fit in one load of the dishwasher. Again, there are a hundred other ways that you can do this, and we'll be covering these in more episodes, but anywhere where you can think to just make that cleaning process and that restaging process easier so that you can accommodate those same days back-to-back bookings, do it. Point three, always have the place cleaned immediately once the guest checks out. Let's say that a guest is checking out on a Sunday and you're not booked on Sunday. Your next guest checks in Wednesday. It might be very tempting to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to have it cleaned Wednesday morning so it's nice and fresh for the next guest who comes. That means though that you now have to block off Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday because you don't have it cleaned from that last guest who's checking out on Sunday. So you're either blocking it, or if you do end up getting a last minute booking on that Sunday, you're going to be super stressed trying to scramble and get ready for them. The better protocol is just always have the place cleaned immediately after each guest. So whether that's you or your cleaning team, you know, you can give the last guest like a 15 minute grace period. You don't have to be there one second after they check out, but within about 15 minutes, you should get that cleaning process started. And this is just going to help you so much in already having the cleaning going so that if somebody does book for the same day for that night, 
you're ready to go. And that leads me into the fourth point of setting yourself up to run at full capacity, and that is to allow same-day booking. So everything that we previously talked about, having enough time between your checkouts and check-ins, simplifying and decluttering the place, and always having it cleaned immediately after, all of that is to help you to allow same-day booking. So point number four is you want to set yourself up to allow same-day bookings. Within Airbnb, there are settings for this. You could put in something that says you need at least two days notice for a booking or at least a one-day notice. The way I have it set up and the way I recommend you strive to have it set up is to allow same-day bookings. That way, if you wake up Sunday morning and nobody is booked for Sunday night, they can still book it that same day. Right. I mean, I don't need to dumb this down for you guys. (laughs) Basically, this setting is exactly what it sounds like. So if you can make sure that you've got enough time between checkout and check-in, you've simplified and decluttered, and you know that that cleaning is going to be as efficient as possible, and you're already having the place cleaned immediately after the last guest checked out, then if you do get a booking that same day, you're ready to go and you're able to accommodate those. I personally, this might depend on the market you're in. Some markets, people really do plan out their vacations far in advance, and it's unlikely you're going to get a lot of same-day bookings. I will tell you, I probably get four or five same-day bookings a month. Four or five. So that right there, uh, most of my bookings are about two nights. That right there is 10 nights a month that I would be missing out on if I was putting in buffers to say that I have a cutoff that you cannot book within 24 hours or 48 hours. Just the simple fact of allowing same-day bookings gets me probably an additional eight to 10 nights booked a month. So again, this might depend on the market you're in. Some markets, people just aren't booking last minute, but you never know. Even in cases where Take Hawaii, for example, where people really do plan out their vacations far in advance. What if someone did book an Airbnb nine months ago, but now they just checked in and the place flooded and they need to find local accommodations and you're another Airbnb in Hawaii? Maybe they will book last minute. You never know. So my tip, even if your market doesn't necessarily lend itself to same day last minute bookings, still do what you can to set yourself up for it. Um, And it does just give you peace of mind that if somebody does book, you're ready to go, you're not scrambling. Um, And it's just another option. Even if you get one more night a month out of it, that's one more night a month. Point five is to allow self-check-in. This just goes back to what we were saying that if somebody books, you don't want to be scrambling trying to figure out how to accommodate them last minute. By allowing self-check-in as an option, this means having a smart lock installed, giving guests a digital code that they enter. There's no key exchange. There's no having to coordinate how you're going to meet them. If you live out of town or if you're busy that day and you don't have time, you don't have to block the night because you're stressed that you're not going to be able to be to meet that guest for check-in. They got a code sent to them. You could program that code from your phone and they are ready to go whenever they book, whenever they check in. So allow self-check-in. That's going to help you so much with maximizing your occupancy and actually being able to run at full capacity. And the sixth and final point to making full capacity bookings work for you Um really playing with the nightly minimums. So what I like to do 
is when stays are further out, let's say I open my calendar three months in advance, I might put in a four or five night minimum. Even though my market, my specific market, really caters itself more to two to three night bookings. Those are the most common reservations we get. But if I open my calendar three months in advance or so, I might put in a four or five night minimum just to see how many of those big chunks I can kind of fill my calendar with. Um, So I might get three, four or five night bookings. That right there might be 15 nights. That takes care of half of my month. However, the problem with this is that sometimes the way that those five night bookings might overlap or might sort themselves out could be where I have someone checking out on a Tuesday and somebody else booked to check in on Thursday. So because I have a four or five night minimum, I've now got an orphan date of Tuesday and Wednesday. So if I can go in now and modify that to a two night minimum, Now I have the potential to get an additional booking. If I don't go in and modify that, I lose those two nights. Nobody is able to book them because they don't fit the criteria of that four or five night minimum. So if you do have any orphan dates like that, make sure you're staying on top of your calendar and adjusting those nightly minimums. Um, I will even do this sometimes for weekends. I always at the very least have a two night minimum on weekends. If it's a three day weekend, I will put a three night minimum. For example, President's Day weekend, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, um, Labor Day, Memorial Day, all of those, I'll put a three night minimum. But for my standard weekend, not a holiday, I have a two night minimum. The idea is that most people are going to book a Friday, Saturday, checkout Sunday. However, sometimes I do have somebody who books a Thursday and Friday and checks out Saturday. I don't want to lose a Saturday, which is my most expensive night of the entire week. My most expensive nights in the calendar are always Saturdays. So I'll go in and change my nightly minimum to a one night minimum and accept a one night reservation in that case. So again, just make sure that you're staying on top of your calendar, playing around with orphan days, playing with your nightly minimums. The further out you are, it is a good tip to just play with some longer nightly minimums so you can try and fill up as much of those chunks as possible. But as you're getting closer, make sure you're modifying those. So there you have it. Those are my six tips for actually setting yourself up to run at full capacity. The rest of this podcast is going to be a lot of advice on how to get enough guests to fill full capacity and how to get them paying competitive higher rates so that you're not just competing on price. But to start off, we need to talk about how to actually set yourself up so that when those guests come flooding in, you've got a plan in place to host and accommodate them. All right, for this week's Airbnb quick tip, this segment every single week is going to be something that is very quick, tangible action takeaway that you could walk away with and make a change to either your property or your online Airbnb listing that same day. So these are quick little action items uh, that I know you guys are going to be able to run with and that you are going to immensely benefit from. So for this week's Airbnb quick tip, this is one of the easiest tips I could ever give you because it's not something I'm going to have you do. 
It's actually something I'm going to have you not do. And that is do not post your Wi-Fi in your house somewhere visible. I know that sounds crazy. Hear me out. One of the most common questions that I get from hosts is, how do I make sure that my guests open and read my house manual? Well, I have a very simple solution to that, and I have been doing this since the beginning of my Airbnb hosting career. I have never had my Wi-Fi publicly shown in the home. What I do is I put my Wi-Fi in one place only, and that is in my house manual. And why do I do that? Because of course, when guests check into your Airbnb, the first thing that they want to do is log on to the Wi-Fi. If you have signs up, cute little signs plastered all over showing people how to log in, they're just going to look at that. They will never go look for your house manual. Okay, I don't want to say never. A lot of a lot of guests are still going to look for your house manual, let's be real, but not all of them. If you put that Wi-Fi code intentionally in one place and in one place only, and that is your house manual, you know, you know without a doubt that guests are going to go looking for that house manual the moment they check in. And not only is this good just for your sake, it's going to cut down so much on the amount of questions that guests are going to have for you, how many times they reach out and message you because now they have seen the manual, they got their hands on it. The other reason that this is so great is because if you put your checkout instructions in there or your house rules in your house manual and later you have an issue with a guest and they try to claim ignorance and pretend they didn't know, well, now you know that if they were able to get onto the Wi-Fi, they absolutely saw those checkout instructions and house rules because that's where the Wi-Fi was. So it just removes any possible doubt on whether or not they saw your checkout instructions and house rules. So I know that there are such cute little templates and signs available out there, little chalkboards and stuff where people do love putting their Wi-Fi network name and their Wi-Fi password, putting it somewhere public where guests see it as soon as they check in. I really recommend removing those. And I know, and I know that a lot of you are going to think that that sounds crazy and that you do love those adorable little signs please just trust me on this or at least try it for a month. Just try it for a month. Remove those signs that you have and put your Wi-Fi info only in your house manual. Just trust me on this and you will see that immediately guests reach for that house manual. The amount of questions you get gets cut down so much because they've got everything they need right there. And again, my favorite little part of this is that they cannot pretend they didn't know house rules or checkout instructions because obviously they did if it's all in one place. So that is my quick tip of this week. Um, And again, this is a very easy one, you guys, because I'm not even telling you to go out of your way to do something. I'm telling you to not do something. And that is to not plaster your Wi-Fi all over. Just put it in one place. Speaking of which, I do have a house manual template that is available on my website, hostwithnatalie.com. And if uh, there is a page in there dedicated to your Wi-Fi info, so if you do need a house manual and you're thinking you need one that includes Wi-Fi, I've got you covered. Um, So if you want to go check out that template, uh, you can go shop that again at my website, hostwithnatalie.com. That will be in the show notes below. And uh, just for fun, I'm going to throw in a little promo code. If you want 20% off of that house manual template, go ahead and use the code NOVACANCY, one word at checkout for 20% off. 
Okay, moving on to this week's question of the week. So this segment is brought to you by the either DMs that I get, the questions that I get from one-on-one consultations, or the questions that you guys throw at me during Thursday Instagram story Q&As. So what I'll do every week is take one of those questions. Um, It might be one that I get all the time. It might be one that I've never gotten before, but I really think you could benefit from, or it might just be something that I feel the need to expand on or that I have a lot to say about. So for this week's question, this is a question I do get all the time, and this is, do I use Instant Book? Yes, I do, and I really recommend that you do, and let me... The reason I wanted to pick this question is because there is a huge misconception out there that using Instant Book means that you cannot vet your guests and that you're going to get stuck with bad guests that you're not able to communicate with or just suss them out before you book them. This is a huge misconception, and I actually believe that you have more security, you can have more comfort knowing who is staying in your place with instant book than with request to book. So let me back up really quick here to anyone who is new to Airbnb and doesn't know what I'm talking about. When it comes to how the guest books your property, there are two options for how they can book. And those two options are going to depend on how you as the host set up your listing. So you as the host have the option to set up your listing for request to book or instant book. And these two options just do exactly what they sound like. In the case of request to book, the guests would have to send you a request first before they are able to book the property. And this gives you an opportunity to go back and forth with them, ask them some questions. You can either accept or decline that reservation. You have 24 hours to do so. And your response time here is weighed by Airbnb. They do look into um, 24 hours is the maximum time allotted to respond to a request to book. But I would, of course, respond sooner if you can, because that response time is evaluated by Airbnb. The other option is Instant Book, and Instant Book would work the same way that it does if you're trying to book a hotel or something. Basically, the guest, if they see your place, it's open for the dates they want, it fits the number of people they have, it's in their budget and they like it, they can just go ahead and instantly book it. It's the same way you would book a hotel. With a hotel, you don't have to request to book a hotel or go back and forth with the receptionist or the hotel manager or owner you just book it. So that's how instant book would work. Um, So again, this is a question I get really commonly because there is a huge misconception out there that with instant book, you don't have the opportunity to vet your guests. Let me tell you before I get into that, one of the biggest reasons that I do recommend you use instant book is that it is a fact that Airbnb does promote homes that use instant book higher in search rankings. You will get bumped up more. You will be more likely to get booked if you use Instant Book. Not just that, but guests personally just prefer to use Instant Book more. Think about yourself right now. If you find a place and you're trying to plan a trip, do you really want to go back and forth and message with the host? In some cases, if the house is really that stunning and perfect and it's the only one left, you're going to do it. But if you have options, you're going to do instant book. We all know that we're like this. When you see the place that you like, if it fits your criteria, 
you're just going to want to book it and be done with that and check that off your to-do list. You don't want to go back and forth with someone. So of course, it makes sense that as hosts, we do see more bookings when we have instant book. Plus, like I said, there's that little perk that Airbnb will actually bump you in search rankings. However, another reason that I really love instant book is because Airbnb has designed instant book to work where if somebody instantly books the home and then you read their reviews or something and decide that you get a bad feeling about them or some of the communication seems off or they're asking questions that show they haven't really read the house rules or anything or whatever it might be, but there are some glaring red flags. If you used instant book, you are actually able to call Airbnb and ask them to cancel this reservation on your behalf as long as you say, and listen up here, you have to drop the phrase that you are uncomfortable hosting this guest or uncomfortable with the reservation. That is the key. That is the magic word. You have to say you're uncomfortable. With request to book, if you accept that reservation and the guest now books with you and has a confirmed booking, if something changes later in communication and you get a red flag, you will not be able to cancel on that guest. You are not able to use the cop out that you are uncomfortable. You are stuck with them. You have to honor that reservation. I mean, you can technically still cancel, but there are penalties in that case. You don't get just a free pass to cancel. The reason being, and this totally makes sense, is that Airbnb says, hey, you had the option to accept or decline. You chose to accept. So that's it. You're stuck with them. With Instant Book, the host did not have the chance to accept or decline. The person just booked without the host even knowing until the booking was confirmed. So if they are uncomfortable with the reservation, we will allow them to cancel. So this is why I so strongly believe that actually Instant Book allows you to vet your guests even better. Any of you who are already hosting know that with Airbnb, until the booking is confirmed, you all you see from the potential guest is their first name and their reviews. That is it. You don't see their last name. You don't see a profile picture. Even sometimes, although it does show you their reviews, it's very limited the way that it shows you. It doesn't actually really show you who the host is that left that review or where they stayed. So you're not able to see what reviews the guest left for the host. You might not be able to see responses to reviews. And so you're very limited in what you can see when you're in the pre-booking phase. Once that reservation is confirmed, you get their phone number, their email, their last name, their profile picture. Um, You can see all the reviews. You can see responses to reviews. You can see reviews that the guest left for the hosts of Airbnbs they previously stayed with. And since with Instant Book, the guest books and then immediately you see that information, that's what's going to let you decide if you're actually comfortable or uncomfortable hosting a guest and then let you decide if you want to call Airbnb and have them cancel on this person. With request to book, you're so limited in what you can see. Yeah, you do have the option to kind of go back and forth and question them, but the guest could just lie to you. Um, You don't really get to see their first and last name and maybe go try and look up their Facebook or something like that, Uh, read through their reviews, read through the reviews that they left, and really feel out the guest. So in my opinion... I feel so much safer 
using Instant Book because I immediately get everything I need to know about that guest. And if I'm uncomfortable at that point, I can call Airbnb to cancel. With request to book, you don't get that information until you accept the booking, at which point Airbnb says, hey, you accepted it, so you're stuck with them. So I do use Instant Book. I love it for so many reasons. The higher search rankings, the fact that guests prefer it, and you will get more bookings with Instant Book without a doubt. I just love the convenience of it too. I have too many listings. I'm managing eight listings right now. I have too many to be going back and forth with every single potential booking. Please, if you like my place, just book it. There's nothing more satisfying to me than the ding of a brand new booking. So I love Instant Book for that. And then again, the final reason that I love Instant Book and feel like it protects hosts even more is because you have that fail safe that if the guest makes you uncomfortable, Airbnb will help you cancel them. Of course, do not abuse this policy. Please don't start calling Airbnb about every single guest. You know, you gotta you gotta weigh this heavily. Don't just be canceling on people for no reason. Um, and again, make sure you are never the one to initiate the cancellation. Call Airbnb to do it for you so that you don't get any penalties. But that's why I love Instant Book because there is that option to cancel as a last resort if you really are uncomfortable. Airbnb will help you out. And with request to book, you don't have that. So use Instant Book. That is my advice here. And on today's episode of Am I the Airbnb Hole, we're going to read a post from a host that I saw. She posted this in an Airbnb hosting Facebook group I'm a part of asking for advice. I'm not going to use her real name, so let's call her Mindy. Here's what Mindy wrote. Need advice. So had a guest check in, saw them on camera, four people. Five minutes later, she calls and proceeds to tell me her purse was stolen from the house. She claimed someone had to be in the house upon their arrival. Her words, the curtains seemed to be out of order. She also stated there was a guy walking by when they checked in. Called the police, and yes, the officer reported back that her card was used three blocks away. Now I gave them a free weekend of 1600 now she's asking for the contents of her purse to be reimbursed, 1100 What are your thoughts? FYI, police thought it sounded kind of fishy, still investigating. Okay, Mindy, I will tell you my thoughts. Um, this is a classic example of ESH. Everyone sucks here. Um, your guest 100% scammed you, and I am sorry for you for that, but the fact, Mindy... Mindy, the fact that you fell for it, really, I just, let's, let's back up and let's review this, okay? Okay, let's go back from the top. Mindy says, I need advice. I had a guest check in, saw them on camera, four people. Five minutes later, she calls and proceeds to tell me her purse was stolen from the house. Claimed someone had to be in the house upon their arrival. Her words were the curtains seemed out of order. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what we're imagining that there is some guy who was standing behind the curtains in the living room and that within five minutes of her checking in and leaving her purse, it got stolen. So, okay, let's give your guest, let's just give your guest really quick the benefit of the doubt that this story is true. It's absolutely not, but let's just pretend, okay, that your guest purse was, I, I just can't believe this. Okay, let's just pretend that your guest purse actually was stolen, okay, in that five-minute window. For that to happen, one of two things would have occurred. A, 
that means that the guy got in through the front door when Mindy opened the door, set her purse down, and then was making trips back and forth to the car to unload, right? So if she left the door wide open and he got in that way, that is not your fault as the host. That is 100% on the guest. Why are you just leaving a door open with your valuables inside? And also, we know that that's not what happened because you yourself, Mindy, say that you have a camera. You saw them check in. So you could have easily checked the camera and seen that no one came in through the front door. The other option here, and that's kind of what this woman seems to be implying, is that the guy came in through, what, a side door or a window? Because she says that the curtains seemed, quote, out of order. So if the curtains are out of order, I think she's implying that he, like, snuck in through a sliding door or something like that. Here's how we know that this is absolute BS. If that actually happened, do you think that this guest would be okay with staying at the property? I know if that were me, I would be out of there. That is such a security risk to think that, I mean, the scenario she's describing means that somebody was watching and stalking the house, saw guests check in, saw them walk back out to the car, and within five minutes broke into the house to steal her purse and got away with four people who just checked in and he knew exactly the time they'd be checking. I mean, gosh, this scenario is so ridiculous. But again, let's just like take her word and pretend that this happened. That means that there's a serious security breach going on in this home, right? That that was possible for somebody to be stalking and get in and get out that quickly through a side door or side window. There is absolutely no way that any reasonable guest would still stay at the property after that. I would immediately be requesting to get moved to a hotel or a different Airbnb. Okay. And then, so, so, okay. So, so we've got that issue that this woman clearly, those, those two options don't check out. Okay. Nobody robbed her. We know that for a fact, but here's the thing. Now we move on to, we move on to part B of the story. This host, Mindy, says, I gave them a free weekend of $1,600. She reimbursed the entire weekend of $1,600. And then she says, now the guest is asking for the contents of her purse to be reimbursed for $1,100. You know what, Mindy? Your guests suck and they absolutely lied to you. But how did you fall for this at this point? Honestly, at this point, the moment that you refunded that stay, I... I think there's a very good case that you should refund the purse because you refunding that stay is immediately admitting fault. Why did you feel the need to refund a stay? I mean, clearly she was, the place was not broken into. We know that, but you refunding the stay admits some sort of fault or guilt. I, I don't know. I think that once you did that, you totally opened up the can of worms that the guest has every reasonable reason to now ask to be reimbursed for the contents of her purse because you're admitting that your Airbnb is not secure and that guests cannot leave their valuables there. You didn't disclose to them that your Airbnb isn't secure and that guests shouldn't leave their valuables. So this is on you. So in the end, you say, what are your thoughts? FYI, police thought it sounded kind of fishy. Yeah, the police are right. And you said they're still investigating. Look, Mindy, there's no investigation needed. Your your guests 100% scammed you case closed. Um, and I hope you learn from this. I won't go as far as to call you an asshole or an Airbnb hole, 
I think you probably were well-meaning and that's why you felt bad for the guest and decided to refund them. But please, dear God woman, learn from this. Do not let guests take advantage of you like that. And to the future host that gets stuck with these guests now, I am very sorry. Um, Mindy should have had should have had the guts to put her foot down and fight back because she didn't. This guest is going to try to do this again and get another free stay. So to the next unfortunate host out there that gets stuck with her, please stand your ground, have have a spine, have a pair of balls and say absolutely no to this guest. They are not getting a free stay. If you do, for some reason, feel like they had a legitimate reason and that maybe your place really was broken into and you do feel that a refund is fair, you need to tell the guest to also leave. That free refund, that full refund should only come with the guests being evicted and not being able to stay there because again, that free refund means you are admitting there is a security breach with your property. And if that really is the case, you should not be accommodating guests for the weekend. You should be telling them to find other accommodations. And then you should be showing up to your property to do a full security sweep, change all your locks, add extra cameras, and do what you can to prevent this from happening again. That's my thoughts on it. So um, again, this is a classic example of we've got an ESH here. Everyone sucks here. Um, The guest and the host, you guys both. um, The guest is a liar, but Mindy, you fell for it. And that is just as bad. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.